0: It's
1: Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Kevin taking an early Father's Day. Mark Dykton capably sitting in. Sam Fritz running the board. My name is Jake Query. Good morning to you on a Friday. Happy Father's Day weekend to you fathers out there. Greg Rakestraw set to join us here in just a second. I wanted to mention this real quick, Mark. This stuff always cracks me up. Elite Top 100 Class of 2025 tight end Nate Roberts who I'm sure is a great player, right? Yep. Um, He is set to make his commitment as he has announced his finalists in his recruiting. He will choose between Oregon, Penn State, Georgia, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Baylor, Oklahoma, Clemson, Auburn, Miami, and Wisconsin. Oh, well, that's a small list. I I mean, I remember my junior year of high school telling people, they're like, where are you going to go to college? And I said, Alabama, Auburn, Arizona, Arizona State, Ball State, or Kansas, and that was like the very beginning, right before I'd like done any visits, whatever. Uh-huh. Like that was the very beginning, and then by my senior year, I was like, I'm going to either Alabama or Kansas, and I spent the whole year going back and forth between Alabama and Kansas. And what a wonderful decision I made there. Um, but my point being, like. And I get it. I didn't have the options these kids do. Right. But come on, man. I mean, you know, here's my 35 schools I'm interested in. Greg Rice to joins us now on the Payless Thickers Hotline. Greg, when you were a senior in college, obviously I know that you ended up deciding on the University of Indianapolis. The schools to which you applied were which?
2: Uh, University of Evansville, and I thought that's where I was going. I got a half ride down there. I went to Ueni Well, that got you
1: somewhere around Washington and they they dropped you off
2: exactly that's the way it works um and then i applied to rose holman to say i got into rose holman i did um and but i knew i wasn't gonna be an engineer so just wanted to say hey, i got into rose um i think i applied to georgetown in kentucky i think i applied to wesleyan in connecticut and i think that's it from an application standpoint.
1: it's funny that there, there's every kid has that school that's the outlier like wesleyan in connecticut what was the tie there
2: I'm sure I saw something in like a, in a, a recruiting fair. I'm like, oh, I thought this might be cool. Then I realized, hey, I want to get away from home. I don't want to get like seven states away from home. Two hours is perfectly good enough for me.
1: You know, Adam Alexander and I were actually pretty legitimately interested in a school in Cleveland called Baldwin-Wallace. Baldwin Wallace like had a broadcast division they were I don't know if they were just starting it or whatever but our, we had a teacher that knew somebody there and we were going to go to Baldwin Wallace together and that lasted for about three months so that was my Wesley note <laughs> I didn't apply though they would have that that chuckle is exactly what you would have heard had I
2: applied now, let, now, uh, what I'm chuckling about more or less is I always give Adam grief because you know he's one of the best dudes like walking the planet but I always give him grief that he is from the far southern corner of Washington Township. Because he has the most southern accent, my assumption would be of anyone that ever graduated from North Central High School. So, did Double A have that when he was in high school, or did he pick that up from years of working in Evansville on the NASCAR? A
1: little of both, but when we got out of school, so Evans, Evans, I was thinking of Evansville. Adam's mother, his late mother, who was just an absolute saint, uh, she was a native of Hanover. So his and, and he spent a ton of time in Hanover as a kid. and then Adam Alexander, for those that don't know, Adam Alexander, who does, of course, um NASCAR work on television, notably on on the Fox networks. Um, Adam went when we graduated from high school, he went to Vincennes for two years and then immediately started working in Evansville and lived with his uncle Mike, who was the head basketball coach at at Washington Catholic and then writes Mike Adams. Yep. So I, probably a little of, of both of those things, but he definitely had a draw. Let's put it that way. He definitely, he he, he had the, the foundation was laid, Greg. Um,
2: and see, and, for, and for me, see the accent, it wasn't, It w- I, my voice would always be kind of a chameleon growing up. Like if I was hanging out with more northerners, I would, I would, you know, it, it would go away. But I would have like this, my, my vowels would be a little more elongated, like five and nine and coats and stuff like that. So trust me, I used to have one as well.
1: Uh, speaking of the Colts, if that's what you just said in your draw there, although it said <laughs> coats, um, we were just talking about Jonathan Taylor, are, are they going to be, is this a slam dunk decision that you've got to resign him? Or do you think there's going to be a hard line cap on what they're willing to spend versus flipping him and trying to move, move elsewhere?
2: You know, as far as JT is concerned, because obviously, you know, that, that is the topic Does to your not just for Colts fans, but for you know, around the National Football League because we're not the only team that's kind of facing that dilemma or discussion. I think Jonathan has more of a chance of, I wouldn't even say, I don't know if a long-term deal exists for a second contract for running backs anymore Um, because long-term for your second deal is almost like two or three years. I think there is more of a chance of him getting money than other backs because of the fact the Colts do have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. And just because of the way Chris Ballard clearly values him and has clearly valued his own players and has not minded giving guys at not marquee positions big-time money. Now, could that philosophy change changing and you say, hey, we've done that and it's not worked out the way that we thought it would? Yeah, maybe so, maybe so that overall value of the contract comes down for JT – but I do think I do think they will they will work on some sort of an extension. The question is, how much will he and his agent kind of look around the market and say, "All right, you know, maybe franchise tag is, is what other markets are getting. If we get offered two or three years at eight to fourteen million dollars per year, which is probably above market value, um, you know, do we take that?" And so, honestly, a lot is going to be on Jonathan Taylor and his agent as to what sort of deal they're looking for and what they're willing to take. I do think the Colts will offer something.
3: Greg Rakestraw joining us on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Greg, do you think well, maybe a shorter-term deal but with more guaranteed money is something they'd be interested in, or do you think they're looking for more years than, than dough?
2: Uh It's a great question, and, and I'm not sure I know the answer to that. But again, I think the Colts, again, some, some teams, we're just going to say, listen, we're, we're you know maybe we'll franchise tag you for a year, and that's it. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to draft a, a top-level running back. We're going to have that player play for five years, and then we will move on to the next. It, it's cruel. That's kind of the way of the world right now in the National Football League. And so, you know, I, 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 I know Jonathan. I don't feel like I know him well enough to think of where he's thinking. Are you thinking more money? Are you thinking more years? I, again, I, I don't think you'll get anything more than a two- or three-year deal for a second, second contract running back anywhere in the National Football League these days.
3: Do you think things get a little more dicey if this drags out into training camp or beyond, or do you think he'll kind of – I mean, he he was a little more vocal about it the other day at rookie mini, or at uh, veteran minicamp, but do you think things get a little more heated if this drags out a little more, or do you think he's going to be kind of like, okay, once the season starts, we'll talk about it after then?
2: It's a Good question. Um, again, I, I don't claim to know him well enough to, to where this would be an issue. Um, you know, from a, from a personality standpoint, great guy. Has obviously done everything the team has asked for him to do, but he also has to think about his long-term future as well. I also know the Colts have been great about getting guys extensions before that last year. I can think of, of Shaq Leonard. I can think of Braden Smith. I can think of Quentin Nelson. So, it's, you know, typically it is the MO of the Colts to take care of that right at the beginning of training camp. So, and, and, again, because you know you've got your quarterback position basically on the cheap for the next five years because of your first-round pick, again, you've got a little more money to work with. So, again, I, I would probably lean that this hit this is something that is taken care of at some point in the next 40 days. Greg, when would you think that we will –
1: I don't the answer to this may be never in terms of finality. I, I feel like when the, the Isaiah Rogers story came out, everybody was kind of waiting to see if there was going to be another domino to fall. And I don't mean to incriminate the Colts in that. I, I just mean sure. league-wide. I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like this can't – this? I, I think we're going to find out the odds are high, pardon the terrible pun, mm-hmm. That that this is not an isolated incident. But when do you think in the case specifically of Rodgers that will have finality?
2: It's a good question. Um, and I would, I would imagine that, again, this is something that takes place before training camp. So, the, so, again, so the Colts have an idea. I think the Colts are largely banking on their going to see Isaiah Rodgers this year. Uh, I, I think that's – you're placing bets on your own team. That, that's a do not pass go. It, it's, it's going to be a while – before you're playing an international don't, I don't, I don't know that effect. he comes
1: back from it, right?
2: Right, correct. So, uh, again, I, you're right. I think the Colts would like an answer sooner rather than later. We get to this now pause in the NFL schedule will all parties kind of scatter for the next you know five, six weeks before training camps kind of reconvene. My guess would be is at some time in that interim a decision is made. But, again, because we all kind of sit here and say, hey, this is likely the punishment, right? And the Colts also know he's coming up to the end of his contract. I think the Colts just kind of are, are, are going, from a, from a player standpoint, are going to move on and say, listen, we don't think Isaiah Rogers is going to be back with this football team, and they have to replace him. What I, what I have heard from players, I think this is important, is that they're going to make sure that they're still in touch with the person and want to try to help the person as best they can, but the player – is likely done with the Indianapolis Colts.
3: Does that make it more curious that they haven't addressed that position yet? Uh, given that they, if, if they don't think that he's going to be there when camp rolls around, they've kind of got that, you know, dirt, lack of depth at the cornerback position.
2: There's a, there's a reason why guys are available in June, Mark. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's not like there is some, you know, easy answer out there to finish. I mean, there's, there's veteran players, there's free agents off the street. Um, all of them have, have similar abilities. Some of them have different price tags at this point. But if, if you're still available in mid-June, if, if one of 32 teams has not gobbled you up, there clearly is probably some sort of issue with your game. Either you're just not good enough coming out of college or you're a little long in the tooth, um, you know, in, in terms of having played in the National Football League. So, um, again, I'm, I'm, the Colts will have to address it because they simply don't have great depth at that position. And we would have said that with Isaiah Rogers playing let alone with him not playing, and you get you know another player that that gets hurt uh, in training camp or in mini camp, and you've got a player that's the fifth round pick that's now going to be out for the season, and so that even further exacerbates that issue for the Colts. So um, again, I, I think they'll do something in the term of sooner rather than later. Greg, when I was a kid, one of my favorite things of summer. Greg Greg
1: is our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. One of my favorite things of the summer when I was a kid was the the subdivision I grew up in, Steinmeier Estates would have their annual garage sale day, right? So, like, I would get mm-hmm. my, I don't know, $10 my grandparents gave me or whatever, and I would just go from garage to garage looking for baseball cards and whatever else. Each each garage you would go into, you know, somebody would say, like, oh, man, these people have, like, a ton of, you know, this house has a ton of dishes. This house has a ton of books. The, the house across the street's got a ton of stuff, to, you know, whatever, If the NFL was garage sale day and you had to go into each respective complex and look to see what they were selling, what position room is it for the Colts? They have a surplus where somebody would say that house right there has a ton of blank and we're looking to buy. Which area do the Colts have the greatest depth and wealth?
2: I don't say this from a level of NFL experience. I say this from a number of bodies, the tight end position. Yeah. They, they, they've got like five or six guys that are either NFL vets or guys that were relatively high draft picks. And even for a team that is typically valued at the tight end spot, you're nowhere near carrying more than four. Um, and so it's, it's, it's not like, Hey, there's, you know, and, and we've seen this years going by, Hey, there are guys that are not going to make this Colts roster. They're going to make somebody else's roster. I'm sure I'll probably say that at some point in time in August. I'll probably say it in a preseason television broadcast. But if you're looking for the, for, for the land of extra parts, that's the first position that immediately comes to mind. And, and you know, a couple
1: of them are equally intriguing in terms of – I hate to use the word project, but there are right. a couple of guys in that tight end room that you almost – you almost want to stash them because you're pretty convinced they're going to be pretty valuable, but you just don't know for certain,
2: right? Correct. You know, and, and and the guy that, again, it was such a limited sample size, but of those that actually flashed on this offense last year was Jelani Woods. And he was a guy that we, we kind of thought was a project when he was drafted because, again, uh, you know, his amazing size. It's hard to fathom that he was a quarterback first and then turns into a tight end but he was a guy that was a difference maker in the red zone because of his size, you know, to use the, even though he's, I think he's the rare guy that wasn't a basketball player, at least from a college standpoint uh, in this group. Um, you know, he was the guy who said he just post him up. His size alone gets him open in those scenarios. So he's the guy that even though he didn't have a huge amount of catches last year, you go, know, he's the guy that you think will pop again, love drew Ogletree last year in, in camp early in camp before he tore his knee. So what is going to be next for him? What exactly is Kylan Granson now that you're entering year number three? Is he kind of entering some dangerous territory in terms of maybe not making this roster uh, at at the end of training camp? I don't know if it's that drastic, but it's certainly a possibility. So uh, in terms of position battles, as we start to preview camp five weeks from now, that might be one to watch because, again, there's there's guys either high draft picks or NFL vets, and not all are going to make the team.
3: So outside of the Jonathan Taylor contract situation, and the Isaiah Rogers wait and see approach, what is the biggest question marks heading into camp in your eyes?
2: Oh, I, I think it's pretty easy. Who's the quarterback going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if it's it, 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 all ties in baseball, go to the runner, all ties are going to go to the first round pick. You know, it, it is Anthony Richardson's job to lose. Now, if, if for whatever reason, He looks like a deer in headlights, and and it just looks like the game isn't coming to him in terms of preseason workouts. And Again, you've got those two weeks now where you're going to have competition against the Bears before you play them, competition against the Eagles before you play them, uh, where where he's going to get a a pretty good run through. And, and, And I'm not sure that decision gets made, whether it's Richardson or Minshew, all the way to the last week of August because you're gonna have 16 days 17 days actually from your last preseason game to your first regular season game And people have people are one to ask now hey who's a starting quarterback the answer is is I honestly don't know but the the answer is I don't think the Colts know I think they know who they want it to be it's Richardson we'll see what he does in camp we'll see who he does in those preseason games and then I think you can make your determination so, For all the other ancillary stories that are kind of building up, it is always going to be, who's your quarterback? Uh, And that is the main discussion, debate, thing we're watching when camp opens up on July 25th or 26th.
1: You know one thing we can't ever gauge, Greg? It's really hard to tell. Different players react different ways to just the scrutiny, the spotlight, and the pressure of – Knowing everything, it it does seem – and look, a couple of OTAs and press conferences doesn't necessarily give us any glimpse of what it's going to be like in November. But it does feel like Anthony Richardson is well aware of the expectation placed upon him. Yep. But has so far been able to kind of compartmentalize it and deal with it. And I think if you look at players that we've seen that did not handle it well – Johnny Manziel comes to mind, you could maybe say over the course of time Baker Mayfield. It does feel like there were kind of glimpses of that early on, and it doesn't at least so far seems so good in terms of Anthony Richardson's approach and maturity. Your thoughts.
2: All the little things are pointing in the right direction. Doesn't mean he, he's going he's going to do it when the when the bright lights are on. There is always a transition from major college football or whatever level of college football quarterback plays to the National Football League. That transition is not as steep as it used to be for many reasons. The NFL offense looks a lot more like the college offense than it used to. These kids throw so much more growing up and developing than they used to. The amount of reps that these guys get from like the age of twelve on are, are, are so different. The big difference is obviously at the level of player they are playing against. You know, there's usually a a weak spot or a weak player you can kind of attack in college football. Um, that ain't happening in the National Football League. Everybody's an All-American uh, from their college days that plays in the National Football League. So it's just the sheer level that is, that is the biggest jump now. And we just don't know because he played 13 games last year because he is such a raw product. All the materials look good. All of the interactions sound good. Seemingly does the right things. We've heard the the the, the you know the, the cleanup story after the rookie event. You hear what what the what the vets say about him. You know how he handled himself in the press conference earlier this week. Again, all the little things are good, and those are wonderful signs because you need those things too. But at the end of the day, it comes down to can you play, and we will not have an answer on that probably into well into this season, if not beyond.
1: Greg, baseball state finals. We've talked a little bit about this. We now know in some of these games you can hear right here, um, among the matchups, and I'll read them off, and then at the end of it you tell me which one you think has the best storylines. Ileana Christian and Covenant Christian. That is in 2A, the 3A final, Andrean and Silver Creek. Then tomorrow, 1A, Lafayette Central Catholic and bar the 4A, Penn and Center Grove. Obviously, Center Grove of – Major local interest. Not saying that Lafayette Central Catholic would not have it as well, um, but the matchups that jump out to you.
2: What's interesting is that we you've got you know kind of powerhouse programs in five or six of the matchups. Um, you know, and bar is a is a school that does not have the success in baseball, but they have replicated in other sports. Um, but it kind of felt like a matter of time before a school that that wins in so many other things uh, boys basketball, girls volleyball primarily um, m- made a run of the state's you know final. They're they're an extra inning away from ha- probably having both of their softball and baseball teams make the state final because they had a division 1 level pitcher uh, that played for them in softball, young Lance going to play at Murray State. They got beat by the eventual state champions 3-2 in Tecumseh in the regional round. Bar Reeves is, is really good. But when Central Catholic is in 1A, they usually win it. You see the same thing about Andrean. When they're in 3A, they usually win it. They've been bouncing back and forth between 3A and 4A through the success factor. If Andrean wins tonight, it's their ninth 3A championship, and it's all come since 2005. Um, But Silver Creek is probably the best other program in 3A. It's only their second state final uh, but but they've reached the semi-state round like four times in the last six years. They've won six consecutive sectionals. That's the longest streak going currently uh, in Indiana high school baseball. Illyana Christian, in their first year of eligibility, won the state tournament in 2A last year. They bring back their starting pitcher. They bring back some key pieces from that team. It kind of appears that they're going to be a, a new dominant program on a – year-in, year-out basis in terms of 2A. And Senator and Penn are schools you expect to make tournament runs. Penn has made more of them, uh, but but Senator and Penn, I mean, sounds like the football state championship game. Well, they're really good in most sports, and, and that's the case in baseball as well. So, there's really only kind of one obvious underdog story coming into this weekend, and it's Kevin Christian. And Kevin Christian has had some really good players the last couple of years. They've got three kids that are Depending on the play at the division three level, yeah, uh, they're sixteen and fifteen, right? Correct, and they were seven and fourteen at one point. Now, they are the smallest school in their league. They are part of the Circle City Conference. That is for Buff. Last year's three A runner up, Chittard, who made this year's three A semi state. Ron Colley, who's a good four A program every year. Heritage Christian, whom they played in the two A semi state and beat them, and then Garing Catholic. So their record, and again, because of playing Indianapolis school, like they played Cathedral in the city championship game, lost that game by four. So they played a really rugged schedule, so that that's part of the story. So they were not uh, they were not uh, you know lacking confidence, knowing they were seven and fourteen at one point, and have gone nine and one since then.
1: Greg Rakestra again, Payless Siggers hotline, and again, Greg, one more time. I'm assuming you're going to be on the call for one of these. Is that right?
2: I am doing tonight's doubleheader, so I have Ileana Christian, Kevin Christian, and then Andrean and Silver Creek on Valley Sports Indiana and the IHSA Champions Network. Chris Walker joins me at 5.30 this evening. Greg, appreciate it. Enjoy
1: it, all right? See you guys. Hi, right, Greg Greg Gregstone, the Payless Liquors Hotline. Time, by the way, for a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Omaha!
3: Omaha!
1: Omaha! Omaha!
2: On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: We will stick uh, with the Diamond. Yesterday, Cubs over the Pirates 7-2. That's a three-game sweep for Mark Dykton's Cubbies. Phillies over the Diamondbacks 5-4. That, of course, took a little bit of the joy out of the Cubs win because that means the Diamondbacks fall another game behind the cute fellow, the Baltimore Orioles, And our race for PBR as the Orioles beat the Blue Jays 4-2. Rays over <laughs> it's upsetting. Kevin's Athletics 4-3. The thrill is over in Oakland. Not oh. only are they leaving Oakland, they are back on the losing side of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Detroit over the Twins. Yeah. <laughs> Braves over the Rockies 5-3. And it was the Angels over the Rangers. Or excuse me, 8-3. Braves over the Rockies. 5-3. Angels over the Rangers. Elsewhere, it was Cleveland over San Diego yesterday. Dodgers over the White Sox. in interleague play. Washington over Houston. And the Iowa Cubs 10-8 winners over the Indianapolis Losers. Indians.
3: Oh, yeah. Sorry. The and Iowa then comes
1: with the winners. I know. I'm, I'm my mistake uh,
3: on the on the basketball court. Uh, Leah Boston, nineteen points as the Indiana Fever topped the Chicago Sky, ninety-two to ninety. Fever moved to four and six on the season there. And then uh, U.S. Open first round got underway. People are kind of complaining that the course is a little too easy. Lots of lots of under under pars. We had uh, Xander Shoffley and Ricky Fowler tied to top the leaderboard at eight under. Wyndham Clark at minus six. Jake, you took uh, Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith, he and my pick, John Rahm, are tied at one under. And then Kevin's pick, which was Jordan Spieth, you got to scroll a bit. He uh, He's uh, <laughs> over par. So he's he's one over, I believe. So uh, action picks up again later today.
1: Uh, when we come back, I am wearing a pair of Kansas Rock Chalk Jayhawk shorts. Not for this reason, actually. They just happened to be the first thing on the floor when I got up this morning. Uh, but a guy that wore them for the last year was working out with the Pacers yesterday and – Had dinner with the Pacers Brass. We'll talk to Dustin Dopierak about exactly that and more next.
0: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: You are listening to Kevin and Quarry on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. So, Mark, I, I I owe an apology for the 1,000th time to our next guest. And I promise, I, I'm not trying to be funny. It's not a bit. My last name is Query which at a uh-huh. very young age I realize is up for multiple pronunciations, and I have to occasionally remind people it's query like a question, K-W-A-I-R-Y, phonetically speaking. So I do have a respect level for, an appreciation for, and a compassion for people when I mispronounce their last name. And I don't know why it is, but our next guest, I have never been able to I, – I literally – Constantly trip myself up on it, and there has to be a way for me to remember. I, I don't. Let me ask you this: Would you say that that because we work in the media together, mm-hmm. that he is my peer? Yes. So would it be du- and it's Dustin Dopirak? Yes. So why do I say
3: Dopirak? I don't know. So Dustin, and my last name is dykton So trust me, I've heard my my share of mispronunciations. So Dustin Dopirak,
1: I, I apologize. I, I honestly. You deserve better than my constant hurdle with this, and it's <laughs> Jake, been this way for like ten years.
4: Jake, I'm slow luck, man. I know I've, this has been going. This is my whole life, man. You're fine. You, you like I. It's been butchered so much worse. So no, on, on the list of people that have messed my name up, you do not rank very high. You're good, man. Well, you're fine.
1: H- how about this? No, wait a minute. On the list of people that have butchered your name, I don't rank very high. I like to think I rank high in anything. He wants I to be this. high on any list. It doesn't matter what it is. What that. the hell? Uh, how about this? Don't when play, you play, Dick. So when you say to people, when people are like, how do you pronounce your last name? And you can borrow this from me if, as if you've never used this before. You can say, oh, well, consider us peers. And then no there one go, will yeah. ever forget
4: it, right? Exactly. That's that's what I've done, yeah. I, I've I've used something like that before, like doe, peer, act. Like doe is in the female deer. Here, yeah. So there you go. There
1: you go. I'll try <laughs> to get this right,
4: but you're good, Jake. You're good, man. Don't well, worry. thank
1: you. Um, been a busy time for the Pacers. Last night, I was going to begin with this, Dustin. The, the word is that mm-hmm. last night, Grady Dick, the the forward for the University of Kansas, nice player. Mm-hmm. I think seven might be a little aggressive on where he goes, but maybe the Pacers really like him. But he apparently did have dinner last night with the Pacers brass. I don't know that that's confirmed, but it's been reported. Um, mm-hmm. is that unusual that the player would go out to dinner with after the workout? I don't think so. I, I think it was
4: about even in the, in the night before, it was when, uh, Grady said they went out, okay. um, because you mentioned Kevin because, uh, Tony used to ask him about Kevin Pritchard because Kevin Pritchard is also a Kansas guy. And so they said they went out and talked about Lawrence and everything like that. So I, I mean, I can't imagine that it's crazy out of the, uh, ordinary, um, obviously, you know scheduling and whatnot makes these things difficult because these guys bouncing from city to city. You know, sometimes they get in before. I mean, obviously, they're not going out. Uh, it, it, I, I wouldn't think when they're bringing in these six player workouts that anybody's going out with Kevin Pritchard. Um, you know, when it's a bunch of guys that are that are you know really second round rated or, or low first round type guys, and, they, and they've had a lot of talented guys come in. Um, I doubt those guys are. I, I don't know that Pritchard's, you know, Pritchard is. Uh, um, you know, pushing dinner for seven there, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know, Harris Walker or Taylor Hendricks or one of those guys had dinner before. I, mean, I, I haven't heard; we hadn't heard about it before, um, and I don't think that changes that much. I mean, I, I, to your point, um, I do think seven is a bit of a reach, and I think it, especially because I think they're really enamored with a bunch of guys that could, with, with several guys that could be available and almost certainly will be available uh, at seven. I mean, I think um, you're guaranteed. Um, out of the, the the four that I think they still really like, and even and we'll get obviously into Oscar Thompson, I'm sure, would, but would be, you know, Osler Thompson, Cam Whitmore, Jarris Walker, and Taylor Hendricks, and you're virtually guaranteed two of those guys going to be on the board, um, and you know those guys are better fits, higher ceilings, the whole bit. I mean, I think Grady Dick is a the guy they wanted to see. I think especially because he's one of the best. He's, he might be the best shooter in the class, if it's not him it's Jordan Hawkins at UConn. Um, and, you know, I think he's a nice player. He's, he's a big wing. I mean, he he fits them well. He would be a good fit for them. It's just the other guys are a better fit. Um, and so I think that he's, he's a guy they wanted to get a, get a look at and also a guy that they might look at and say, hey, maybe somebody you trade up from 26 for because I think they're going to have a harder time. Um, I, I know Kevin Pritchard wants to be aggressive, you know, wants to make some moves. Uh, but I, I think there's a good chance the price of moving up to two or three to try to get Brandon Miller is probably going to be too high. Um, and you know they're, they they need to move some of those picks like at the end of the first round, beginning of the second, and it might be more realistic to try to move up from twenty six to get somewhere in the ten to twenty range uh, than it is to, to do something else. And so, you know, Dick might be a player that they might look at uh, in that realm.
3: So, Dustin, you are on hand for Grady Dick's workout. What'd you see that you liked? What'd you see that you didn't like yesterday?
4: Yeah, they don't let us in the building until it's over. <laughs> or, oh, so, you saw some free throws then.
3: Yeah, yes, that's exactly what I saw. That's what I put on Twitter because that's,
4: that is exactly what I saw. No, but, I mean, um, it, you know, we, we got to talk to him, obviously, to get a sense of, of what he thinks about his game and, and, and how he thinks it went. Obviously, he was pretty pleased with it. But, you know, I, mean, I saw him a little bit at the combine. He shot at the combine. He, he's clearly, you know, one of the – you know, it, it, it's him and Hawkins as far as shooting the basketball. And he's really good. Um and just just shooting on the move, shooting off the dribble, you know, knocking down free throws. But the guy hits every shot that you want. Um, but there are other other parts of his game that you really got to like. I mean, he's he, he's a really good athlete. Um, and i think you saw just him being really good in transition really good transition finisher um you know can get up above the rim has real athleticism uh has some switchability on defense. The guys i think he's I, I think he's six six and a half somewhere in that range you know in you know bare feet in the combine measurements they, they had him measured at, or uh listed at six eight but i mean he's he's legit six six and a half and and um uh you know 200 pounds you know just wiry athlete uh again he's not a good, as good a defensive player as as, um, uh, as Taylor Hendricks or, uh, as, or Jairus Walker. He's not on that scale, uh, but he's a guy that you can trust, trust to defend. Um, you know, defend multiple positions and, and take on some smaller guards, uh, do all right in switches. I mean, you're not going to switch him onto a five man and expect to win that battle. Uh, where you might with Walker, but I mean, if, uh, you know, you, you can, you can put him on a lot of different positions and that's really helpful. Um, so he is a guy that fits, I think especially if they're they're looking in the future and saying that I, they're going to either try to move Buddy Heald or let him walk. Eventually uh, they are going to need a, a really good floor spacer, uh, you know, because obviously they've got some guys who can hit some threes, but you need somebody uh, on the wing where well, Halliburton obviously, you know, it's important for him to get his make space for himself to have the to threes, but you need another guy that's, that's that's creating space for him, creating gravity. And Buddy Hill has been really, really good about that. And they're going to need somebody else uh, in the future if they're not going to will be willing to extend him. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, I guess. That's, that's something a, a reason to look at him again. I don't think they do it at seven, but if they can find a way to move up uh, from twenty six, you know, and, and I don't know if anybody will do it. I mean, Utah might take Gray Dick at nine. Um, but if, if if he slips a little and they find a way to move up, I think he'd be a helpful player for him.
3: Dustin Apirek of the Indianapolis Star Pacers beat writer joins us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Dustin, Oscar Thompson canceled his workout with the Pacers. How many more workouts do the Pacers have lined up ahead of the draft? Do we know? Uh,
4: I, in terms of planning purposes, we were told totally to prepare for Monday and Tuesday next week. Okay. Um, so I don't know who that would be. Uh, it seems like it's going to be individuals. And so we'll see. Uh, And they keep that pretty close to the vest. Um, So I don't know. I mean, there's still a lot of reasons they have to keep working out players, um, you know, elsewhere in the draft. And they've already brought in more players than I think they've ever had. Uh, I think Scotty Adams kept a um, running list, and it's about 61, and that seems about right to me. And this off-star would have been the 16th workout, um, and you know, I think for obvious reasons. I mean, they um, they have to be prepared to make all the picks they have, um, even even if they really don't want to, even if they really want to move those. They have to be prepared to make all of them, and any of them. Uh, and they all, I think they also have to be prepared to make another a bunch of other picks. Like I said, I mean, they could move up. Um, you know, from twenty six and get somewhere in that 10-20 range. They could, they could move. They they could always move back and then have somewhere in between thirty two and fifty five where they have. Uh, so they've really got to be prepared for uh, a lot of situations. So they they wanted to see a lot of people, and I think that made sense um, because a lot of things could happen to them on draft night. And you know, it's hard to say again what they'll be able to move and uh, where they're going to end up picking. So they've got to be prepared for all kinds of scenarios.
1: You ever seen that movie Juno? Kind of a random flick, Dustin. Mark, you ever seen it?
3: Oh yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. The J U N L, so the one about the. Um, yeah, the girl that. Um, girl gets pregnant. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I think yeah. her boyfriend was that Michael Sarah. Yeah. Is that his yes. name? Michael Sarah, nervous fellow. What's that? He's a very nervous right. fellow. That's what Grady Dick looks like.
4: <laughs> right? Am I right here, Dustin? He's got smoother hair and he's taller, but yes, the length is similar and the face is not that far off. And yeah. he
1: has kind of the similar look on his face at times of like, not not totally sure what's going on, but that's yeah. typically on the a defensive touch. end, probably.
4: Um, yeah, we we were we were joking in the because uh, we we get these sheets, you know, when we get there uh, at workouts, we sit there and wait till they're finished. That they get us like, you know, there's like always one picture uh, and a stat line. And his his picture looks like he just got led into the fraternity, and they they have that like picture, you know, at the frat where everybody's wearing the same tie because only like one or two guys in the entire frat know how to tie it. That's how great was in the picture. So, adding to that, yes.
1: Um, in the end, Dustin. Now I'm gonna, hold on, I'm gonna try this. I'm take a deep breath. You ready? Dustin <laughs> Dopey. Pier- well, hold on. Dustin rack is on the Pale Sickers hotline. I get it. Did I get ah, it. There it is. Yeah, how about that? Nailed okay. it. Um, Nailed it. Dustin, in the end, if you had to guess, the over-under of number of players the Pacers select for themselves on draft night is what?
4: Uh, I think three is really the cap. It's three because I think I don't think they can move 55 um, because ultimately you're so close to the end of the draft. It's like, okay, what, what do I need to eat that pick for? Um, uh, and I don't know if they'll be able to move all three in the middle and they might have some desire for one of them. Um, and so I think three rookies, they can ultimately, especially if they pick him at that, in, in that area, um, I think they can absorb that because 55, you can just kind of presume, okay, that's a G League guy. Um, I don't think they really want to bring in, you know, more than two guys as constants on the roster, you know, obviously you can get, you, you have, I think they're going to have a new, another two way this year. Uh, I think they're, they're, it's going to go from two to three is number two ways you can have. Um, so I think that's absorbable. Um, is sort of two real rookies and one guy that's, that's rarely going to come up. Um, you know, I, I, I think that sort of fits. I think there, there are things that they can use um, at either between 26, 29, 32, you know, they, they could use another defensive guy uh, that, that sort of, Ups the level, uh, you know, a versatile guy. I think Andre Jackson's a guy that I think of. Uh, they'd be interesting there. Oliver Olivier Maxon's Prosper, I think, is an interesting player. He's got a lot of length, really good defender. Um, so I, I think there's several guys they could use in that spot. They'd be willing to move all three of them uh, if it gets them something. If it gets them a legitimate asset. Um, but if, if they can't, I, I think they wouldn't mind making one of those picks in the middle. And They've got to make the lottery pick. Obviously, they'd be thrilled to move up from seven, but I, I don't think they have any interest in moving back from seven. The only way that I think they would give up that pick is if they got somebody established. Uh, you know, I think you know, OG Ananobi comes to mind as someone that I imagine they've at least kicked, you know, checked out. At, by all accounts, it seems like they they made a push for him at the deadline um so uh, if if you know i wouldn't be surprised they took a shot at him again because I think if you get that guy you're, you're getting somebody that's ultimately more of a short thing than than the guys that you could pick at seven
1: okay how about this i'm going to give you an over under number of 45 okay okay the combined draft positions of jalen hood Shafino and trace jackson davis over under 45
4: um over but that's not a i mean that's not necessarily a bad thing i mean i i just and, and just barely i mean i could see jackson davis right around 30 31 32 and hood in that 14 15 range i mean i think at this point it's pretty clear that you know worst case scenario, scenario jackson davis is going in the top 40 um you know i, I think that there's a lot of you know, just there are so many guys that are really close together uh, really in the 20 to 40 range. Like there's just not a whole, especially really 25 to 40, like there's not a whole lot of separation. There's a lot of interesting players that, that really could move all over the place. You're seeing mock drafts where everybody's like everywhere. Um, but I think Huchofino, I think is really doing a good job. At it. And I think the more people look at him, uh, you see just how much there is to like it's a point. guard that like really just steady the game. Um, and so I think he can be, I've seen him as high as nine. I don't know that he goes that high, um, but I think, you, you know, you, you really got to start looking like 11, um, you, uh, starting about 11 or 12. It's actually 12 because I think that no, was 13. Uh, I, I, well, actually 11. Orlando at 11, I think, is, is the, the time you got to start looking that it's possible um, because Dallas obviously doesn't need another ball handler at, at all. Uh, at ten, and and then at, at, I think at twelve you've got Shea, Gilgis Alexander, you know, and, and Josh Giddey uh, with a Thunder. So really, I think thirteen on with Toronto I think would be a really good fit. Miami could be a good fit. Uh, Atlanta might not be a bad fit. I mean, there's he's he's definitely going to go top twenty. Um, it's just a question, you know, whether it's closer to ten or closer to twenty.
3: Last from, one for from me, Dustin. Feet to the fire. Feet to the fire. Who do the Pacers select with their first selection in next week's draft?
4: I'm going to say Jarris Walker, but it's really it's it's really tough. I think uh, because obviously it really depends on just you know which who of those four is on the board. Because like I said, I think it's Whitmore, Ossar Thompson, who's again looking more unlikely. You know because there's a possibility he might have got a uh, you know a promise from the Magic. Um, uh, you know Jarris Walker or Taylor Hendricks, and and Hendricks and, and Walker are such a coin flip uh, because I mean and, and they're different players um but and they're so just close together it's like okay like you're you're you know you get one thing with one guy and one thing with the other they're both really good defenders who can defend multiple positions both can handle guards really huge wingspans leaping ability um both of them have a bunch of that i think you know walker's obviously got a little bit of a wider body but he is trimming up so he's a little bit more um just a little bit more agile uh but you know on so Hendricks a little bit of a shop, better shop blocker, but I think Walker can as it gives you a better chance of, of dealing with somebody who's bulkier, you know, more muscled up and whatnot. Um, you know, Hendricks is a better shooter, and but Walker might have the more better all around offensive game. So I, mean, I, I really think you talk like if you're thinking of the two of them, you, you could really talk yourself into either one of them. I, I, again, I'm going to say Walker, but Hendricks would not surprise me one bit. And I think if Whitmore's on the board, they'd probably take him. Uh, but I do think Detroit probably leans that way. And, you know, again, there's a good chance that that is set to go to Orlando at six. So, if it's Walker or Hendricks, I lean Walker, but it's not going to be an an easy call at all. I'm going to predict
1: that Trace Jackson Davis becomes, not the surprise of the draft, but that he ends up going slightly earlier than people anticipate. I I know that there's Mm -hmm. been talk. I just think, Dustin, that once you get into, like, the 25 range – a guy like that with a seven-one wingspan—that is a mature player that has started to show some flash of areas intrigue in his shooting ability. People know what else he can do, and they know that that he has an understanding of the game. I think that wins out once you get to that level over like reaches. You know what I mean? Sure. And and so I think the known quantity will secure him in the twenty-five to twenty-eight range. But we shall see. Um yeah, a good the, chance of that. The real win of the lottery here is the fact that I have now, for the about-to-be-third consecutive time, properly said Dustin Dopierak is our guest. I get it right that time?
2: <laughs> yes, you did, Jake. Oh, yes. You three, got it. Three for three, baby. On a roll. I'm like Trace Jackson go.
1: Davis. Show me the three, and I'm knocking them down now, baby. <laughs> Dustin, appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Um, you saw the big news. Did you ever watch Wheel of Fortune? Yeah. I, you know, I remember – a lot of people don't re- remember this. Other than Pat Sajak, there's been a Wheel of Fortune host that came from the professional sports ranks. And Pat Sajak now is about to hang him up. So it it got me thinking what professional sports people, what athletes would be good at taking over that role. So I figured we could discuss that in a little bit. Sound Let's good? Let's do it. Yeah. All right, we'll continue doing that. Kevin Aquari here, 93.5, 5, 107.5 The Fan.